Leadership File on Premier. It's my joy to welcome you to The Leadership File, the show that aims to help you lead as Christ would have you lead wherever he has placed you. I'm Andy Peck, your host, and whether you listen live on a Sunday or one of the many thousands who catch up via the podcast, it's great that you can join us. We all benefit from the advances of science and technology that have gathered pace at the end of the 20th century and early part of the 21st. But you'll be aware that there has been some feeling that as our understanding of the universe has increased, a belief in the God of the Bible has decreased. We face such questions as, do science and faith mix? The issue is especially important when it comes to belief about origins of the universe and the creation of life. Some believe science has ruled God out of the equation. And although this is the sort of debate you can find at length on Premier's unbelievable show with Justin Briley, it's also one that faces Christians in leadership, especially those looking to help congregations whose youngsters are being faced with the apparent choice between God and science at school. Well, to help us grapple with these issues, I'm joined this week by Ruth Banchevich, the Church Engagement Director at the Faraday Institute for Science and Religion. Her remit is to help the UK Church interact with science in a helpful way. She's uh, an author of God in the Lab, How Science Enhances Faith, and has a new book coming out in 2019. So welcome, Ruth. Hello. You're a scientist yourself. Uh, what's your field of study? Um, genetics. It was okay. a while ago, but yeah. <laughs> OK. So, so what, what led you into genetics? Oh, just the intellectual fascination of um, thinking about uh, DNA, how it affects who we are, how we are, um, and uh, absolutely loved the things you can do with DNA to do useful things. Okay, splendid. Well, we'll we'll perhaps come back to some of that, and mm. and so your journey in in terms of faith and that in a minute. So, so one of the reasons for this interview is is my own experience of trying to figure things out. Um, I'd listened to the debates on The Unbelievable Show with Justin Briley, where Christians who believe God used evolution uh, debate with those who believe that evolution played no part. And um, I got no more than an O-level science, and so I figured, well, I just have to be agnostic. Christians differ, that's not a problem. Then I've got a couple of boys who are doing GCSE science, and, and one particularly is interested in science. I'm thinking, I probably need to grapple with this at, at, a, at a better level. <laughs> uh, so I, I thought I'd do some reading. So I, I, I began with a book called The Case for a Creator by Lee Strobel, which is 2004. And that has chapters on uh, different aspects of, of, of science, which apparently pour scorn on the idea of a creator god. And, and Strobel does interviews with scientists um, that, that undermine that, that view. So I think, okay, so so maybe maybe I need to question evolution and whether it's been a mechanism at all, and maybe science is okay. Um, and then then I I, I read uh, Christians and Evolution, a book in two thousand and fourteen, and that lists nineteen eminent Christian scientists, and they they grew up with a what was a traditional six day creation, young Earth understanding, and these nineteen, all of them in their different fields, thought, hang on. I need to change my view in the view of the science. So I was, you know, having been convinced by one and then 
thinking, well, actually, these guys, these guys have genuinely come to their view that, that they're in their field of study. Maybe our understanding is, is different. So that, I'm, I'm a bit confused. I don't know what to say to my boys uh, who, are t- who are studying science. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping that as we navigate this through this, you can at least give some help for, for those in church leadership who have the similar dilemma. They're not scientists, many of them, but they're, they're faced with, with folk in their churches and, and in you know, charities and missions or wherever who, who are grappling with this. Okay, so that's that's kind of that's to frame frame the conversation a little bit. Um, so, I mean, you work with churches on this very kind of issue. So, what what are the kind of approaches you take? Yeah, well, I mean, one thing is to address the people's different understandings of the issues. So, mm. I want to pick on a couple of, up on yeah. a couple of things that you said there. So, one was um, <clears throat> uh, areas of science which are typically poured scorn on the idea of a creator mm. god, um, and I think often what's going on there is. The scientists themselves are not admitting where their own ideology is coming into their interpretation of the science. Now that in itself, that's fine because we all will look at science and say, well, let's take an example. You watch a nature program on TV and think, as a Christian, you'll probably think, what a wonderful God. And someone else might think, oh, well, you know, it's all evolved, so we don't need God. And those are... You've taken the same data and you come up with different So, I mean, classic David Attenborough, you know, yeah. he submitted there might yeah. be a, some higher being, but that's as far as he'll go, kind of thing. Yeah, and and well, I mean, and I, I can't remember what he would normally say, but some scientists um, are not terribly responsible by flagging up. We've just moved from science into my ideology. Yeah, sure, um, sure. And I have, as a Christian, I have my own ideology, you know, and I would always try and point out, I hope, um, where we've made that shift. Um, and be, particularly because science has such... Um, authority hmm. people view science as having such authority in science and people w- in our society and people want to use science to say anything so I think that that's the very first thing that your sons can learn when hmm. they're in class and if their friends are saying oh science disproves God science doesn't they say well actually you're talking about theology or philosophy now aren't you hmm. uh, not science and the other one is um you know, the, the, so I, I'm familiar with the book that you mentioned, Christians in Evolution. I haven't read it. I got it on myself, though. <laughs> and I know a lot of the people involved. And I, um, so the process that they went through, I expect, was um, they looked at the science and said, oh, hang on, this doesn't add up with what I was taught that the science, I was taught in church, or well, they may have been taught in church that the science doesn't make sense. <laughs> And then they see the signs making sense. And then the process that people might go through is either they then chuck their faith out mm. um, or they might spend the rest of their lives trying to pick holes in signs. Mm. Um, and I would say, actually, for what's happened with those people is they've allowed the science to drive them back to the Bible mm. and to biblical scholars and say, guys, you know, well, they may not know biblical scholars personally, but to, to go back to... Um, the books and say, and the commentaries and say, what well, is what I've been taught the the best way to interpret the Bible? Yes. And they've come to the conclusion um, that um, the the Bible is about theology, not science. Sure. Um, yeah. So I don't think science plays a major part in interpreting the Bible, but I think it, like history and many other disciplines, mm. might drive you back to the Bible. Um, and and the distinction I'd make with churches. I'd want people to know is all Christians believe in a creator God um, and any evangelical Christian will respect the, the Bible it's true it's God's word uh, we don't tend to take anything out of it we don't chuck everything away um, but 
it was written in other languages. It was written at long time ago, and it was it, it's God's word, and we want to do justice to it. And to do that, we need to do good hermeneutics. Uh, if you don't know what hermeneutics are, go and look it up yes, <laughs> and start doing it. You know, and and to get a decent mm. commentary, um, you know, into varsity. Ivy Pre does good commentaries, mm. all sorts of publishers sure, sure. do great commentaries. Um, and start digging in. And I just encountered someone this morning, actually, who I suspect has has backed off her faith because um, she has uh, grown up in an environment where she hasn't learned a really good, responsible, biblical yeah, hermeneutic. Yeah. Um yeah. So that I yeah I always start with the Bible when people talk about Genesis. I say, well, let's get it out, yeah, shall yeah. we? And then is what you're saying is it there? Do you know, mm, and, and mm. what does it say? You know. Yeah, um, and and so so some of it is 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 by going, making sure the kind of questions you're asking of science are appropriate questions, yeah, rather than yeah. Uh, ones that are. are, are perhaps a, a jaundice to a narrower view of, of interpreting scripture. Yeah, yeah and, and w- you know, what, what's the Bible for? You know, mm. and, um, and knowing what science is, is very helpful, mm. especially if you're talking to a scientist and to make sure they have established what science mm. is and where the boundaries, the limits of science are. I mean, it's about weighing, measuring, observing things. Mm. Mm. And then once you've got that data, you can go off and interpret it. Um, and, and your understanding of where that data is pointing on the bigger picture um, and what it means is not a scientific question mm, okay. um, so history of science is also helpful mm, mm. Um, I mean there are so many really faithful Christians involved in setting up science yeah. in the West yeah. um, and and also a good theology of science I think yeah. um, because trying to um, to see that this is a good world everything God made is good um, and he, I mean, the, the the picture you have there of Adam naming the animals, we're to explore, you yes. know, and we were told yes. to serve and preserve, tend and keep, whatever the words you think in Genesis 2 are interpreted as, you know, in order to look after God's world and, and benefit from it ourselves, mm, mm. then we're going to have to understand it and go out and explore it. So yeah, indeed. Let's do indeed. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so... Uh, I mean, there's the creation-evolution debate itself, and I'm not sure if we can, in our our time, obviously plummet that particular one. But, but um, what one one way in which some Christians understand things and the evolution is to say, well, there's macro and microevolution. Mm-hmm. So evolution for, between species versus mm-hmm. variation within. Mm-hmm. And they would say, well, actually, the, the, there seem to be variation mm-hmm. within a species mm-hmm. because of environments mm-hmm. and uh, peppered moths is the example mm-hmm. of that in some people's minds. Mm-hmm. But they're not sure whether there's there's been a leap between species and therefore they, they accept one and not mm-hmm. the other. Is that a helpful way of looking at it or as a a DNA specialist yourself know, might, might you yeah. think um, and I know and I think this is the kind of language that's used in Elise mm. Strobel's book I think yeah. quite a lot um, I actually find I mean and I have seen that distinction in the um, scientific literature but in, in a technical sense that um, they would know <laughs> that what you're calling macroevolution is just microevolution times a lot okay right so in a in an audience of non-scientists, I wouldn't use that distinction because it, it makes it sound as if there's these two things and there's a big line between them. Right. And But actually, once you've said things can 
change a little bit. For example, coming from Glasgow, which used to have a lot of cholera, mm. um, I'm more likely to be blood group O, which is a little bit more resistant to cholera, and I am. Okay. Um, uh, and that may have nothing to do with my ancestry. My family may not have been there long enough. Mm. You know, whatever. Anyway, um, but there are those, you know, malaria is a famous one with um, various kinds of resistance. Mm. Um, so it's happening on a micro scale. And, um, I mean, one interesting thing is you can get a ring species where you've got an animal, you know, in the south of a country um, and it's got certain characteristics. And there's an animal in the north of the country, it's got very different characteristics and they can't breed together. Okay. That's one of the ways of defining species. So they ask a biologist to define a species for you and they'll tie themselves in knots and tell you that it's almost impossible. Right. Um, but those two animals will be connected by a seamless link of creatures like themselves they get gradually more and more different until it meets the one in mm. the north or the south okay. so there's a ring of animals and they can all um, it's difficult to describe on the radio anyway I'm doing things with my hands um, they can they can interbreed with the ones near them but not the ones far away from them right. and so you could say well is the whole lot a species? Hmm. Are there loads and loads of species in there? Like, what's going on with that? So, mm -hmm. I mean, now we're getting down to the science, but, um, I mean, in a sense, on the discussions about creation and evolution, I'd so much rather start with the Bible. When I'm right. talking to people in churches, I think that's where our concerns come from. Mm -hmm. That's what's... Um, primarily affecting, I think, these discussions. And I would rather sit down with a good biblical scholar and say, tell mm. us the richness and the depth and the, you know, the good theological messages um, that Genesis have to tell us, you right. know, all the things that feed into our mm. lives. Um, and often with, with church groups, I would sit down, or I did it recently with a group of church leaders, and we'll sit down and say, well, what are the, all the theological messages that everyone can agree on? Mm. There's a lot. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by uh, Ruth Bansovich. And we're looking at uh, Christianity and science. And we'll be back just after this. Welcome back to Leadership Farm with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Ruth Bansovich. We're looking at the whole issue of Christianity and science. Ruth is the Church Engagement Director at the Faraday Institute for Science and Religion. Her remit is to help the UK church interact with science in a helpful way. And obviously, if we're Christians in leadership, we're at some point going to have to face this, particularly if we're in church leadership. We've got youngsters who are studying uh, science, but also trying to make sense of faith within that context. And we're, we're kind of shedding a little bit like we hope on this topic which could obviously could be uh could be a very very long uh show and indeed a series of shows no doubt uh, i mean ruth we're, we're talking theoretically of course but i don't know if you grew up in a church context yourself and had to grapple with this mm. as you were studying and what what conclusions you drew yeah so i was a christian a long time before as a scientist somebody mm. asked me this morning and i think i said i was probably about 10 or 11 when i really understood Mm. what the gospel was yeah. I mean as, as a kid obviously you know you very happily accept it but with only you know mm. when you get a full understanding you can really make a conscious decision so I and I think I grew up with a hodgepodge of ideas mm. there wasn't my parents were both doctors my dad was an academic um, and you know we were thinking and asking questions and um, just surrounded by all sorts of different inputs um some of them were 
yeah, from all sorts of different sides. I'm thinking of particularly creation and evolution discussions, which is what we were discussing before the break. Um, and I, I, I learned all sorts of things, some of them completely contradictory um, to each other. Um, but none of them... I knew we were talking about what I said earlier, secondary issues. Mm. You know, we all believe in a creator, but how that works out um, and how the theological account of Genesis fits in with the science, you know, mm. is... Oh, um, there's various ways of interpreting that. So I, but then going into university, I was a bit weary of evolutionary biology, um, and I'm I'm sad about that. Actually, I, I really wish I'd been encouraged to dive in and study mm. things as thoroughly as I could. Yeah. That would have, um, I mean, I would say I did well. I'm I'm glad I studied what I studied, but um, mm. I'm sad I was afraid of evolutionary biology, mm. and I'm also. I managed to come right through it, having shelved the human evolution question completely. Mm. Um, and it was only when I started working for Christians in Science and began to talk to people um, with a whole range of different views and read books that I began to take it off the shelf and have a look at it. Mm. Um, and again, I'm sad I had to wait that long. Sure. Um, so, and I, I even wondered before I did my research degree, my PhD, you know, could science ever prove the existence of God? You know, mm -hmm. or disprove, you know, well, not disprove evolution, but to show that a certain thing could never evolved, you know, something like that. I hadn't come across the intelligent design movement at this point, but I think I tried to invent intelligent design for myself. I'm sure a lot of people have been through that process. Mm -hmm. But then doing research, I realized it's just not how science works. Um, you can prove things mathematically with certain branches of maths, but with science, you can come up with evidence for things. And it's really difficult in biology. Things are, we were talking about really complex systems. Mm. Trying to understand even like half a molecule is fiendishly, you know, people talk about a simple cell. Oh, that's an oxymoron. Right, <laughs> okay, it's okay. so complicated, you know, so, and, and the minute you think you've shown something, you have to humbly say someone might come along and find something else. So, right. so trying to look for proof of God in there is partly is bad theology. Right, right. Um, I think, um, you know, all creation is declaring the praises of God. So, mm. yeah, in a larger sense, yes. You know, so you would, presumably you would say you would you would take the view that God has. Used evolutionary processes in some way, some in in some way. That's that my your, view, and yeah. I work. You know, I have worked with people not in the Faraday Institute, except mm. in the Faraday Mainstream Science in the Faraday Institute, but in other contexts, I've worked with people with completely different views, mm. and that's a fine. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, and I would always teaching young people. I mean, this is one thing, you know, to make sure that your sons come out of their studies knowing that just that Christians have different views. Mm. Um, what parts do you hold on very tightly? what parts, you know, are oh. open to discussion, uh, to be confident that um, this is God's word we're studying and nothing's going to come along that's going to swipe your face away. No, you know, if, no. God, if God exists, it's all his stuff. Oh, you know? oh. And so church leaders who are perhaps some of them non-scientists who are having mm. to adjudicate, uh, and I guess I, I was sort of asking what sort of tone, what sort of approach, yeah. what sort of atmosphere yeah. do you hope that they're mm. creating on these things? Because and, and you know they they may know they've got folk in their congregation who are one way or the other. Mm. Either very yeah. strong evolutionists or yeah. strong yeah. so called six day creationists, mm. you know, young earth or whatever. Yeah, I mean I'd say don't avoid it. Yeah. Um I mean 
but you know to be very affirming that this is God's good world we should study it um you know God's two books book of creation book yeah. of book of the bible if we're interpreting them both well they shouldn't clash if they seem to be clashing we're interpreting one or the other right, badly. Right, yeah. to teach a good i mean obviously every church leader wants to teach people how to read the bible well mm, for themselves mm. um teaching genesis well um and you know some of that will have to be done delicately when mm, there, mm. there are different views but to be able to not trying to flatten out the text as if we can read it in English. And yeah, I mean, sure. no, obviously nobody's trying to do that, but occasionally it does happen. Um, I would say, you know, I try not to give too much energy to the creation de- evolution mm. debates. I mean, there's so many more important things to be doing. Yeah, you know? yeah sure. Some people are called to to tackle that, and, and, and so they should. Mm. I think we shouldn't be using disputed arguments um, as an apologetic. Right. I think as an apologetic... Um, you know, going, as I said earlier, to the philosophy of science, to the history of science, to the Christians or scientists, something that all Christians can get behind, yeah, especially okay. the scientists. Yeah. I think, I mean, did I pick the wrong books for research? I mean, have you got other books who you might, I might have gone for that the listeners um, might usefully read? To... Reading widely is good, mm. and you're obviously aware that the people are disagreeing mm. on this, so that's fine. Um, I don't completely agree with John Lennox on the biology, but his latest book, um, I've forgotten the title right now, Does Science Disprove God or something like yes, that, yes. is fantastic mm. for uh, tackling those general mm-hmm. arguments. Dennis Alexander's written good books. Uh, Ernest Lucas, there's Faraday papers on the Faraday website mm-hmm. and talks. Um, the test of faith materials that I've been involved in producing um, are... I'm very biased, but are a good starter mm. for church small groups. So there's there's a lots lots out there, but yeah. Sorry, and you mentioned the, the Faraday Institute. Let's tell mm. us a little bit about that, so that the listeners can engage. Yeah, so we're an academic institute. There's interdisciplinary research happening mm-hmm. between scientists, theologians, philosophers, all sorts of people, um, and then also lots of public outreach. There's schools team, youth team. I'm working with churches, we do things in media, but um, all the lectures that we've had at Faraday, public lectures, seminars and things, we do short courses uh, for people to come along for a weekend or a week, and all the talks from those go on our website. Okay, right. Um, so. So this is the Faraday Institute, it's based in Cambridge, which is where you live yes. and are based? Yeah. Faraday-institute.org. Okay, so yeah. Faraday-institute.org. Okay. Fabulous. So uh, we've we've kind of uh, skirted around the, you know, the issue in a sense, not skirted around the issue, but you know, we've we've only been to touch a little bit. Anything you need to say, uh, uh, you know, in closing, to just encourage listeners on this field. And I, I think encouragement is the right thing. I think what I really want to do when I first meet church groups is to say, um, you can be excited about science. It's God's world. There are so many great scientists who are mm. Christians. Um, a lot of the arguments that people try to th- throw at Christians um, are category mistakes. They're sometimes based on myths. I mean, and there are some really good meaty issues there, but I would read books like John Lennox's um, to to get past the myths and the noisy arguments to the more interesting nuanced ones. Who do you think God is? What's your experience of him? 
Yeah. Ruth, it's been well. It's been terrific to chat with you, and I'm, 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 I've been blessed and benefited, and and you know, in due course, I'm sure my, my boys, but also you know, many of those listening who's who've got children in this field will be, you know, would be helped in in your kind of approach, and perhaps encouraged to not fear, but actually to delve in a little bit more and to re- rejoice in all that God's given us in science. So thank you. So you've been listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I've been uh, joined uh, this week by Ruth Bansevich. The uh, spelling of her surname, in case you're interested, is B-A-N-C-E-W-I-C-Z. And she's got a new book coming out in 2019. Wonders of the Living World. Wonders of the Living World, published by... Lion. Published by Lion. So um, you can look forward to that later in the the year. Um, She's also uh, published a book called uh, God in the Lab, How Science Enhances Faith. And, um, you know, do go to the uh, uh, Faraday uh, website, the faraday-institute.org, where you can find out more of what Ruth was hinting at in terms of uh, lectures and information that can help you grapple a bit more um, with this whole uh, topic. So it's been great to have you along. A reminder that you can buy my book, uh, The Leadership Road Less Travelled, at the Premier Store. And also attend the course of the book on the May the 16th at Waverley Abbey House near Farnham in Surrey. Uh, just go to cwr.org.uk or email me at the email address at the end of the show and I'll tell you how to get involved. Look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. 